plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that defining moment when a story, any story, takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, superhero buff and comedy lover. And I'm Fran, reality TV obsessive and true crime enthusiast. And we're from Now TV. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes nuggets that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. So welcome back. Hey, everybody. So we hope you're all doing well and everyone is looking after each other in our current lockdown situation. And as the world is trying to figure out how to work from home, Fran and I have been trying to do the same. So we're trying to figure out how to conduct interviews and talk about our favourite shows and generally just bring you some lightheartedness. Hello. How are you? Hi. Hi. Hang on. I, I'm really new to all this. Well, that makes three of us. <laughs> really crap at this. Hang on. Skip tutorial. I want to skip the tutorial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can hear, um, our guests this week are absolute legends and were clearly contending with the same technology issues that we were. Yeah, so we were really, really lucky to spend a lovely, heartwarming afternoon on the line to superstar comedy duo slash presenters slash actors, Mel and Sue. Sorry, let me just see if I can get old perks up on the thingy. There she is. There she blows. <laughs> Mel, you just... Sh Where the fuck are you? <laughs> Excuse my language, guys. I'm really outside of television. I'm absolutely disgusting. Disgusting melon. <laughs> There's been an explosion in a joke shop. Is that your wardrobe? Okay, so I think we need to set the scene for everyone that's listening to this. So early this week, we somehow managed to blag a video call with Mel and Sue. And I can honestly say it was one of the most surreal experiences of my life. So Mel was laying down in what I think was a walk-in wardrobe wearing some insanely brightly coloured leggings, surrounded by tonnes of clothes. And then we had Sue join the conversation, didn't we? Sue was trying to dial in, so we were greeted with Mel first. And I think Sue was incensed by her co-star's lack of professionalism. But I, I thought it was lovely and, uh, and quite funny. I mean, as soon as they signed on, they were immediately poking fun at each other and taking the mick. We just knew from then it was going to be a riot of a conversation. <laughs> we, we were in stitches before we'd even introduced what the podcast was about, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get onto the whole concept of plot twist and suddenly they were off on one. It was amazing. So everyone will probably know Mel and Sue for presenting The Great British Bake Off, a, a show which I absolutely adore. And, and they were the on that show. A national institution. A national institution. And, and they were on that for, what, the best part of seven years? Yeah, I think up to that. And I think it's really interesting to chat to them about their new series, Hitmen, uh, which is available on Now TV, because this is quite a move away from their traditional presenting gig, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's from Bake Off to blowing heads off, really. <laughs> Um, quite literally. Yeah, quite, lit <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> but what amazed me, this is actually the first series where they've acted together in, in a comedy series. And you think given their history, I thought that was amazing that they hadn't actually done something before. Yeah, and Hitman is about uh, Mel and Sue who play these assassins. But obviously, outside of some of the more gory bits, it's more about the friendship between the two of them, isn't it? 
Yeah, very much like real life. Their sort of their quirky humour comes through. But in terms of Mel and Sue's backstory, I mean, these guys have got a really interesting career history, haven't they? Oh, it's amazing. They've known each other, I think, for over 30 years. And they, they met at Cambridge Uni. They start doing stand-up together at the Footlights Comedy Club. And that season, they go on to Edinburgh Fringe. And their big break, really, where they got known nationally was uh, for Light Lunch, which was their big Channel 4 series. And this was a show where they basically got celebrity guests on, they made lunch with them, and then they sat down and interviewed them whilst eating lunch. They, they were basically themselves for an hour with big name celebrities, and then there was a bit of food involved. It was, it was great Sounds fun. like my dream. So yeah, we obviously start with Light Lunch. That was such a pivotal part of our career um, after we get settled in, of course. Um, so we hope you enjoy the first half of the interview as much as we did. And here it is. Mel and Sue on the Plot Twist podcast. I'm pressing record now. There we go. Reception's good. <laughs> Ariel's up. <laughs> Welcome to Plot Twist. Well, thanks for having us. I mean, essentially, it's a bit of a sort of biographical natter. Obviously, talk about Hitmen. There's a few little nuggets we've picked up. Perfect. Yeah. Shit chattery is our, very much our business. Are we allowed to F and Jeff on this podcast? Oh, I'd say an F is fine. But a little Jeff, bit, a little bit. Not what Sue did with Esther Ranson. Oh, that was intense. Just good to know the parameters of the effing and Jeffing. Yeah. For yes. By the way, guys, I had a very similar experience with Judas Chalmers. Yet another road raid incident about six months ago. What happened? Just, just what happened? literally, just throwing them out, throwing the V's, throwing the F's and Jeffs. <laughs> <laughs> Car went past. Lovely Judy Chalmers, who actually lived directly opposite me, mate. Look, Judith Chalmers, mate, you can't do that to Chalmers. I didn't know it was Chalmers, did I? I thought it was just a generic, quite slow driver. Yeah, Esther Ransom didn't. Nobody yeah. deserves what that what I did to that person. Is it just rage when you're in the car? So it's rage and speed, which I think is one of the best cocktails one can possibly have in a moving vehicle. <laughs> What's good though with this is that um, we obviously get an insight into you guys and the show and wardrobes evidently which is yeah, which is Mel's in the closet i've always said i've always said <laughs> she literally <laughs> the Breaking website news. has always had a little bit of buzz about it but um currently she's in the closet i'll be coming out of the closet in about an hour okay but for the moment <laughs> i am firmly in lads it's oh it's very lovely to have a little bit of social and human interaction in these strange old times lovely how are you finding it all it's, I mean, it's early days. This is the thing, isn't it? You sort of think to yourself, well, okay, this is fine. And then you think this could be for a long, long time. It's about sort of, it's about twiddling the old, you know, default Ooh. settings, isn't it? I certainly have to pace myself. Within 24 hours, I'd eaten everything um, <laughs> and cried and was just sitting in my pants thinking this is Armageddon. Um, and to, to, to have any, I, I, my brain has no capacity for structure. So it's just, it's just whatever drifts in and out, you know, there's, and I find it really hard to concentrate. Got to be proactive. Yeah. Got to balance it out. Someone described it to me like the world's biggest social experiment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like when, when do you ever get the chance to put everyone like apart from each other like this? Somebody also said, which I really love, they said, it's like the whole country is doing ready, steady, cook. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I like that. It is. You look at a cabbage. Yeah, exactly. You look and go, I've got a cabbage and two bananas. Yeah. Right, kids, it's cabbage and banana pasta. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. My dog is eating better than I do. Yes, mine as well. It's annoying, isn't it? One of the things that was in the news recently was uh, Kenny Rogers. And didn't you guys, you <gasps> interviewed him, didn't you? On oh, uh, Was it light God. lunch or late lunch? Yeah. On light lunch. And he was a prince. He was an absolute prince. And we would ha- occasionally have these sort of Hollywood, or in his case, I suppose, Nashville, sort of big hitters, nailisters. And they would come on and we would just make them do appalling, nonsensical sketches, <laughs> often focused around EastEnders, which was not a show they were aware of. Um, I saw Gwyneth Paltrow the other day. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, oh, she was, bless her, very bewildered by the pair of us. Very, very... <laughs> Very bewildered, wasn't she, Melly? She was very game. She put she her head very in the game. box. We did a little thing about Seven, that film, that you know, the serial killer film, and she put her head in a box. I thought it was very, very good of her to do that for us. Perks, I've got a terrible feeling that we made Kenny Rogers sing with ourselves. Yes, so we sung with him. A version of Islands in the Stream, mate. I've got a, I've got a really strong suspicion that we made him do that. I can't believe we would have done that. I, I, don't, I really hope that's just a bad dream. I've still got his album, mate. I went through a phase of every guest that came on, I yeah. would get them to write on their merchandise, Dear Sue, thanks to the best night of my life. Yeah. Um, in the vain <laughs> hope that later people would come across it. And I did come across Kenny Rogers' greatest <laughs> hits that says, Dear Sue, thanks for the best night of my life. Amazing. We had blooming Whoopi Goldberg. This is, come on, guys, this is 23 years ago. We're really, really, we're really living the memories. Michael Bolton was on. He was amazing. Matthew Modine was on. Was that your first big presenter gig together? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, it was the first time we'd ever presented anything, yeah. Really? Yeah, we did sketch comedy from when we graduated till, like, lunch, yeah. So we did the Edinburgh Festival every year and... uh, uh, toured very small regional arts centres to nobody. And then the audition call went up for light lunch and we just thought, this sounds ridiculous. And we didn't have any the right clothes to wear, so we looked like sort of rural security guards. Do you remember, mate? I think you've still got the outfit there. <laughs> yes. Look at that pageant. It, you like it was, that? It was, it was basically sort of penitentiary lockdown, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Great sort of grey um, security guard, postal worker uh, suits. And they gave us the gig and we sort of couldn't believe it. And I think the hardest thing for us was to actually speak with our own voices because we were so used to doing sketch comedy and playing characters. Sort of didn't really know who we were as people in terms of our, like, TV personas, did we really? Well, I that sounds a bit meta, but you know what I mean. It was a total plunge in the dark, mate, is what it was. And hilariously, we found out, um, not at the time, but afterwards, that uh, our, our original contract for that show was two weeks. <laughs> two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could be sacked after two weeks. That's the yeah. level of confidence they had. And fair enough. Because they yeah, were just two... thinking, who the hell is this pair of absolute... Twonkers. Yeah. So, yes. So how how did you tackle that? Like you say, going from being characters to being yourselves. Did you just kind of rock up on day one and be like, OK, let's uh, just give it a well, go? Weirdly, they, they, they thought the best thing to do would be to send us to watch other shows. We went to Kilroy at the time and Trisha. And, um, <laughs> Trisha? We, we, yes. yes. And we basically, <laughs> we basically went and asked really inane questions and tried to sort of play up. Um, I think we get, did we get asked to leave Kilroy, mate? Have I made that up? I think we were being fractious and weird and like children. But um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the sort of show they wanted. They wanted a kind of 
I don't know what they wanted, but they didn't get it anyway. They basically got a couple of toddlers pranicking around, and and um, <laughs> and thank God they renewed the contract after two weeks. Yeah. Has your friendship always been like that since you met? Oh, from the get go, always, isn't it? Absolutely, in a nutshell, yes. <laughs> um, just a lot of chat and a lot of reminiscing. A lot of like, oh, mate, and it's always some terrible story. Terrible. <laughs> We've never reminisced about a positive gig, mainly because there haven't been that many of them. So they, they are few and far between. They're like they're like pearls. But yes, it'll be, <laughs> oh, do you remember Cumbernauld when we were chased out by the locals? Um, most no, mate, that, was like that. Buzzard. that was Leighton That was Leighton Leighton Buzzard, we were chased to the station, yeah. Were you just being heckled? They're, they're, no, just silence. Silence? No, we never used to get heckled. <sighs> Because we'd speak so quickly, in such thick whatever. All our all our characters had such thick regional accents. Most of it was unintelligible. <laughs> so we just sprint through it, and uh, be greeted with just yeah, white noise, and then run. Yes, white noise and run actually should have been the title of our, our collective autobiography. Yeah. Do you think that's yeah. like more difficult to deal with when you're on stage? Is no response. We're used to it now. <laughs> it's always fine if you've got somebody else with you i think if you're on your own and you're having to deal with that then that could be pretty soul destroying but if there's somebody Mm. on stage with you who you share a really really similar sense of humor with uh and i think our humor is kind of based on things going wrong and (laughs) general tragedies (laughs) then you know what i mean then you can laugh you can laugh and you can get through it i think yeah when, when you started out, so you, you guys met at Cambridge, right? Yeah. And then you, you, when you passed, like, the Footlights theatrical group. Yeah. I was looking, yeah, because I like, was looking at that, and there's been a lot of, like, big names that have come through that, like um, Hugh Laurie and Simon Bird, and it seems like that's, a, like, a really good foundation for comedians to sort of, you know, go through. It was an amazing experience, actually, an opportunity. I don't think we quite realised it at the time, probably. Or did we? No, we did realise at the time, didn't we? Not really. I don't know. I mean, it's the the history of it I didn't really buy into. It's got this extraordinary reputation, and that's built on the the alumni, as you say, whether it's Stephen Fry or whether it's Mitchell and Webb or or, or Armstrong and Miller or whoever it might be. Emma Thompson. The people make it sound, you know, like it's just a non-stop factory. But actually, when you're in it, I mean, there's huge amounts of privilege in going to a place like that. But the privilege really comes from the ability to sort of experiment. And I think a lot of colleges don't have and universities don't necessarily have that capacity for their students. We could just go and there would be it was a tiny little room, but it had a stage and it had a you know a built in audience, student audience who'd come. And that's how you learn, really, is through failure and, and freedom just having to a, fail, freedom to fail and a small space that you can call your own. And so we were very, very lucky, very lucky. That's where the real privilege comes from. And we were so lucky to find each other because when we were at uni, there didn't seem to be that many other girls who were doing it. And to no. find each other and to find somebody that had a similar kind of obsession and passion uh, for comedy was something very, very special. Yeah. So how, how did now, it go from sort of meeting each other and realising you had this sort of friendship connection to then into a co- kind of career together? Was it like an active decision that you wanted to work together or did you just naturally gravitate to each other and have similar ideas and visions of what you wanted to do? I wrote Sue a letter. I wrote Perks a letter. <laughs> do you remember me? You did. I do. And I have it somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I will find it. 
What was in the letter? I wrote her a really formal letter once we both left university and we were both sort of kicking around. We both got fairly piss-poor degrees and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> mm, there, God, wasn't yeah. a lot, there wasn't a lot going on. There was bar work. Perks was doing some door-to-door sales work uh, for a cleaning company. There was all this stuff going on. And, yeah, and I just I, I wrote her a letter and... and uh, and, and I just said, look, dear Susan, would you like to form a, a double act? Formal. <laughs> Very formal. Very formal, using my full name, which only my mother uses. I don't know why she's angry with me, which is all the time. No, I mean, we, we do have landlines. I mean, people listening to this will think, God, when were they born? <laughs> it's not like you send a carrier pigeon. You could have just picked up the double yeah. bone. But yeah, <laughs> but she, dear Susan, would you like to form a double act? Love, Melanie. And then we did, and we, we decided so late on that year... In terms of Edinburgh, Edinburgh Festival is really where the it's the crucible of, of of all kind of comedy performers, whether they're stand ups or double acts, sketch performers, whatever. We decided in the March or April we we're going to do it, and all the slots had gone apart from the ten o five slot in this attic space on Princess Street, which is where we did our first ever show together in ninety three. Oh, wow. Was it ninety four? Ninety three, yeah. <laughs> We were just fresh out of college, really, and and we hadn't finished writing it, in fact, which meant for a very interesting end to the show. We'd written up to the last five (laughs) minutes and there was this sort of always odd, queasy... In the end, we thought the best thing to do was just shine a torch on a croissant. (laughs) Don't ask. That's how the show ended. And there was this really strange silence. And then just the shuffling of people. Badly. There was no no point to it. There was no reason. We thought it was a bit edgy, you know, it was like a different lighting state, kind of, you know. (laughs) Oh, we got these really weak, very cheap torches from a shop called Ali's Cave. Cave. Ali's Cave, which was up the Lothian Road. They were two quid each or something, and we just thought, right. They're still going, mate. I I, I really hope so. Not the torches, I mean. This is... (laughs) This is edgy, sort of contemporary theatre crossover with comedy. Yeah, it was it was weak. It was very, very weak. It was shit. A, sh- a crossover <laughs> between shit and god awful. <laughs> that's what that was, that's what the crossover was. I think, as time has, has proven. Describing um, it, though, sounds hilarious. <laughs> it, it was it was oh. so bad. It was so bad. I mean, you good. couldn't even look at it and say that they try that we tried to be avant garde. It was just shambo- It was just Jeffrey shambles, <laughs> and most of the time we were just laughing all the way through anyway. Because we, <laughs> and genuinely, they were the happiest times. And some of that's to do with the fact that you know you're young and carefree, and there's no responsibility. But I've never laughed so much as I did for that decade. I, I mean, I genuinely was. I was on the floor most days, just <laughs> weeping and holding myself. <laughs> but matey, you know when we do that thing when we go. Goodbye. That originated from that show where no one knew it was the end of the show, and what I can't remember who it was just turned around and went, and that really is a really weird voice. Goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> I think we we then picked that. We started doing oh, that a lot. Wow. I think it comes from that show. That was goodbye. the end of our show. Goodbye. <laughs> just an audio cue to the audience to let them know that was in fact the end. Surely. And we should probably talk about um, plot twist, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yes. Podcast. Yeah. So um, the, the question that we seem to ask every week is, you know, looking back at your careers, has there been a, a sort of a standout moment, a plot twist moment that, that where the narrative has changed? Ooh. That's a question. Um, <laughs> there's, there's been a couple. I mean, I, I suppose because we've known each other for so long, there, there'll be plot twists that pertain to real life that change things. 
but I, I suppose the first big plot twist for us was, as you've pointed out, like lunch, because it took us from being a rather shambolic offering on uh, fringe stages in the Lothian area to... To a shambolic offering on Channel 4. Yes, <laughs> at lunchtime, live. And what a playpen for a pair of 20-somethings, you know? It's yeah, it's incredible. almost uh, unimaginable now. now. Unima- unimaginable. Now, no way. Live for two years, 250-plus shows. I didn't realise it was it's live. Yeah, oh, God, yeah, yeah, absolutely live. It was that was definitely a plot twisty moment because I remember really clearly that we almost didn't go to the audition. So we got this audition through. It's a daytime show, and the pair of us were just thinking, "Sorry, we're cutting edge Edinburgh <laughs> sketch comic. We've, We've shone, shone a, a light torch on across a quite some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get it. Who do they think we are, Ruddy? You know, Ruddy, Richard, and Judy. We're not gonna. We're not gonna go to a daytime audition. And then we realised we had literally no money. Like no money. We owed our agent money. We owed our parents money. We yes. owed our siblings money. We owed everyone money. We were so in debt. We were massively skint, and we just thought, look, come on, let's go to this audition. Let's just have a bit of a laugh, see what happens. And it's so weird moments in life like that, aren't they, where you just think this is the least likely thing that we should be doing. This is We're never going to get this. And they're always the weird things that, that kind of happen, and, and that's exactly what happened. And how sort of early on into doing that did you realise that that was going to be quite a career-changing moment for you guys? Did it kind of sink in at any point where you were like, oh, we're on, we're on a different path now, like you say, from this kind of cutting edge into daytime TV? How did that feel and when did it land? Oh, because it was live. I suppose we were in it and we were living it. We mm. didn't really analyse it that much, did we, Perks? No, no. And I think the sort of following grew up around us and we were just too busy enjoying it and particularly enjoying the elements where the audience would come in. I think we realised that it, there was at least some connection with the audience and that's all you're really looking for when you perform is you just want, you just want to make people feel happy and, and them in turn to give you something back but, and, and, and spread that joy to you. But I remember that this, was it a bunch of uh, rugby lads? They travelled somewhere from like oh, yeah. Woking with a yeah. 12 foot baguette and they'd gone on the <laughs> tube and they'd had to sort of manoeuvre this 12 foot baguette onto the tube and it arrived slightly battered but still at length. And I just, and I, that was one of the great, it sounds stupid, but it's one of the great moments, I think, because yeah. someone had taken the time and the care to do that. And when you mm. see, I remember somebody, we take it in turns to go into the audience. Somebody had sort of said, oh, I've made a, je- a Mel Sue jelly. I said, oh, let's yes. have a look. And yes. basically our faces were submerged in blue jelly with our mouths open. So it looked like we were, du- we were drowning. I've never, <laughs> like, I literally was just so overcome with hysteria. <laughs> but stuff like that, it's just like this sort of hokey, weird, fun connection. And so We uh, had know... a live band as well. We had an amazing four-piece oh, live band, Steve, Matt, Dylan and Dan. Dylan and Dan. And every week they would dress up and we'd make a different band name with a food pun uh, in the band name. So, for example, the Bree Gees. <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't encourage her. They were, all encourage her. As, they were all dressed up as the Bee Gees with comedy teeth and with big white flared white suits. I mean, we just had so much fun. It was ridiculous. I sort of think... Every generation needs something that's... I mean, Light Lunch wasn't anarchic in that sense, but it was very free. And I think television had been quite straightjacketed. Yeah. And 
I'm so incredibly grateful. And I, I sort of, as Melly said, it would never happen now. Nah. You know, people of our age and, and, and experience being given that chance, but it should happen now because if we could do it, God only knows anyone else can. Um, <laughs> and I'd love to see that. I'd love to see kids just being given 250 hours of television to muck about in. So that was Mel and Sue on the first part of the Plot Twist podcast. These guys are great. They are so much fun. They are so funny. And there are so many things in that that I learned about them that I definitely didn't know before. Where do we start? The fact they wrote a formal letter requesting that they work together. You'd think they'd live in the Stone Age or something. I mean, it obviously worked, though, didn't it? Well, that's what you did to me to join, the, you know, come on the podcast, didn't you? So, Dear Tom, no. thou shalt request your company <laughs> to join me on the Plot Twist podcast. I, I just thought it was it was brilliant. And then when they were talking about their, their shows, that they got that chance at Edinburgh Festival, but they weren't really prepared, so they didn't really write anything. So they just rocked up with a croissant and a torch. <laughs> Yeah, ending it. <laughs> At that point, I remember sort of catching your eye on video and I was just losing it. I was just crying oh, with laughter. Yeah, that was so funny. Bring back the cross on, I say. It's weird. I think if you watched it live, you'd probably be like, what the hell's going on? But when they described it after, you know, telling us that, it was really funny. I don't know why it was either. <laughs> and sort of the fact that the audience didn't really know when it was ending. what was going on. So they'd yeah. just go, bye-bye. <laughs> and now it's ended, so you can leave. I just thought it was absolutely... I feel like I could watch a show about their career history and find it as entertaining as any of their actual TV gigs. It was so funny. And how amazing must that be to be friends like that and share a career together and just laugh? I mean, that's just, they must have a, such a ball. I loved yeah. hearing the way they talked about it as well. You know, they really love reminiscing about all the, the old times and the funny situations that they've got themselves into. I just think it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And from old times to new... Exactly. We'd had a good old waffle about the past, but it was time to stick purely in the present. It certainly was. So we needed to talk about their new series, Hitmen, and we couldn't help but sneak in a little bit of Bake Off. So let's get back to it. Our interview with Mel and Sue on the Plot Twist podcast. Oh, God, we've got to talk about Hitmen. Yeah, yeah Melly. <laughs> which, which is a plot twist in itself, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's you a third one. playing as assassins, basically. Is that right? We've gone back to our roots, Maze. Yes, <laughs> yes, we have. It's come full circle. It's, it's. Uh, we don't really often get sent like uh, scripted comedy for the pair of us. I think people think of us now really as ourselves and presenters and and stuff. So to get these scripts through, which we just loved and thought were really funny, was a total treat. <laughs> and uh, we got involved. We said, "Yep, yeah, we want to do this," and we spent quite a few months meeting up with the writers and we feel very very lucky that we got the chance to to film it all last summer so it was a blast it, in fact we we said to ourselves at the time this is as much fun as doing light lunch it was that fun it was so ah oh, it was great it does really feel like that actually what, what you know it, it it does really feel that through script development and through being on the ground we 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 were able to even though they're characters they have we've invested as much in in them as we would on like lunch investing in in being ourselves yeah and um because you play best friends don't you yeah they're best mates and um that that's really the only similarity I and mean, that that's that was easy for us to play and um, actually the most fun was when they have arguments because we never argued in real life yeah so we got to sort of be, have these huge sort of moments of conflict and crisis in the show it's like yeah and it was you could sort of Oh, it was quite exciting, wasn't it? But then we got a bit tearful afterwards. I know. <laughs> it just got really teary. 
we had to check in with each other at the end. It was so sweet. But no, there's a whole episode where we fall out quite badly and we end up sort of going and doing separate things for almost the whole episode. And it was just quite, it was quite fun, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. Mm. It was great. Yeah, the conflict side was really good because it, it really does then feel like you're you're playing something other than yourself and something playing out some something other than the, the Melanzu dynamic in real life. Because uh, I mean, the most Mel's ever done is tussed. Um, <laughs> she did. You belmed. Actually, you belmed at me in BBC um, Donuts in in Broadcasting House. <laughs> you know, she stuck her she stuck her tongue in the bottom. Uh, uh, like that. I was late. So I was like, right, that is it. I was so incensed by that. It's the worst thing she's ever done. And I turned away and there was a bell as I turned away, but she's so and I saw it. She's so eagle-eyed. She's she saw it. And made the row in the Whiteley shopping centre when we were dressed as uh new romantics. Do you remember we were dressed as Adamant and I can't remember the other character. Did we have a row, mate? Was there some tension? We had a, no, it was when we were doing rise and things were quite, you know Oh, quite tense anyway. Yeah, quite tense. And uh, yeah. we had a Barney in a coat, in a restaurant called Coat. Oh, yes. Dressed as Adamant and I was going to say <laughs> Jim Kerr. I don't know if it was Jim Kerr, but anyway. I think all serious arguments should take place while dressed as Adamant. I think that should be a sort of nationwide rule. It should diffuse it pretty quickly as well. Yeah. <laughs> just so when you get really up yourself, you just look and think, oh. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Oh God, we were, that they were. Yeah, those were slightly bleak times, I have to say. So we were yeah, both were. feeling a bit raggedy. Yeah, Amazing though, over all that time though, you barely argued at all. No, I, I can't imagine because you hear no. double act, don't you hear double act sort of having physical punch ups and things, you know, it getting so tense and um, mad. I just oh, if that happened, I think I don't know what I'd do. I'd have to give up completely everything. It would be. It would just be. The world would crumble. How physical was the shooting for on on Hitmen? Well, I mean, thankfully for for the really extreme kind of um, sort of tackling and fighting stuff, we had some uh, stunt doubles who were amazing. Uh, because for us, just a light jog is almost too much. <laughs> I was wheezing getting out of the van and thought mm, they're going to have to remove the sound effect. <laughs> uh, literally, was, <laughs> it was really sinister. I found getting up off the floor really hard. If you're in a totally prone position lying down. Yeah. Having to get up at speed and sort of run after somebody. I mean, it takes a good 15 seconds to do that. Try it. It's really, really hard. <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of dodgy pelvic floor involved. If there was any... I, I got... I, I Yeah, a couple of times I took a hard landing and thought, mm, I have to check in with wardrobe. It's But it's, it's sort of... What, what's nice about it is, 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 is coming to that world as sort of um, now we're a bit older, because I, I think people are so used to sort of seeing very young, sexy, slick assassins, and then we sort of rock up. Um, and what I love about this show is it's mainly, it's mainly focused on the friendship between two people, and it's almost incidental that they just kill people. Um, they might as well be talking about, you know, people in the office and the line manager that they're furious with. But in fact, in this context, their, their line manager is a mob boss. Yeah. Um, so that's what drew us to it, really. And, the, and the, sort of the, the fact that we get to sort of dress up and sit in a Winnebago eating snacks all day. It was very, very good fun. You said this was quite different roles to you. And when we were doing our sort of reading up um, before chatting to you guys, um, we read something that you claimed you were working with sort of 
proper actors. And it's really funny because we spoke with um, Carl Pilkington in our, our first yeah. episode and, and he claimed the same thing. So oh, did he? talk us through that. Yeah, he was like, it's really strange. You know, I'm I'm there with these actual actors. And we were like, but you're actually acting. <laughs> so, uh, it's strange, so how did it feel it? to sort of be on set in something, like you say, more scripted and a move away from that live TV that you've been doing for... Gen- genuinely, hand on heart, we were phoning each other. Do you remember this, Perks? About three... Yeah. <laughs> Three to four days before we started shooting. You had bubbling guts, didn't you? You had oh. the classic bubble guts. Yeah, she gets... We, we were on the phone to each other just saying, can we get out of it? Is there any way we can get out of this? Can we actually... Can We We were so frightened. We were absolutely bricking it because we knew that we were going to be with this incredible roster of actors and we were going to get found out big time. That was... Wasn't it, mate? We had to really steal ourselves. When you hear that, that, you know, that phrase, you can't act your way out of a paper bag... Jason Watkins has a bag on his head for most of the first episode and is acting so much better than you or I ever could. I mean, he's amazing. And mm. and Sean Clifford and all, mm. I mean, Asim Chowdhury. It's, it's an absolutely genius list of people. Uh, I think it's sort of part of part of the performer's psyche at the risk of sounding a bit pretentious that you feel like a fraud all the time. You feel like, oh, I'm going to get rumbled any minute. So I kind of guess that's why when, when, when proper actors turn up, you sort of feel that more keenly. It's just like, oh dear, what am I doing in the mix? Because... They're so good. I learned so much from from watching them and being around them and bloody hell, trying to control the laughter. Watkins is a real, he's a, such a brilliant, mischievous human. Yeah. And actually talking about Watkins with the bag on his head, the guy was funny even with the bag on his head. You can't yeah. see his face. You can barely hear what he's saying. He's funny. Honestly, watch him. I don't know how he Just does it. tilt of the head. He does yeah. little comedy movements. He was hilarious. We learnt a lot from him, actually. He was yeah, he's just brilliant. the most lovely gentleman and uh, very funny and very generous, wasn't he? He was really good fun to work with. Mel, you've, you've done a bit of Shakespeare, haven't you? You've... Oh, dear. Yes, I... Oh, yeah. she's proper, proper, proper ham, Melanie. Proper yeah. acting, that is. Yes. Yes, Melly. Untrained, I have to say. Totally untrained. Plunging in the dark but um no, I think you sort of I think you do you have to sort of learn on the job I think I, I think we learned a lot doing Hitmen would, would you want to do more scripted comedy like that listen yeah I really loved it I mean I, I think what was great about it is the scripts were in really good shape but then we associate sort of scripted them for the last sort of heavily for the last few months so it felt very collaborative Jeremy Dyson from the League of Gentlemen script edited and just being oh. with him he's so he's wise and funny and uh, has such an incredible take on character and plot and it was just like a masterclass really so it would just be grand to do it and we had we did have such a laugh all the crew were smashing the director was great yeah. it was one of those jobs like like lunch in fact where all the good things kind of coalesce at the same time and everyone's on the same page and just wants to have a good time. I like coalesce, mate. It's one of the things I've been trying to do in isolation is is, is say one excruciatingly pretentious word every hour. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about Melly, as I've known her for so long, is that she's actually really sleepy and she's starting to nest. She's like a hedgehog, so you can see she's sort of slightly bedding and she's been doing it for the last 15 minutes. I've been, got my I can see. I know, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> 
For anyone who can't see this, there is a pillow that has just emerged from the side of the camera. Melly, 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 remember, oh, remember how I said to you yeah, that, that sometimes you have to work and talk and engage with... Yeah. Like no, you can't that. fall asleep in the middle. Look, they've done so much research and they're really nice and kind people. And it's rude what you're doing. I'm resting my Resting chin. one of your chins. <laughs> <laughs> Let the other three just hang, just hang them <laughs> on. Oh, I knew it. I sensed it for the last 15 minutes. Because I, I can just so always, it, it's like an energetic shift. I'm just really, mainly because every time I talk, she gets it. It's, slight, it's like narcolepsy with a right in my mouth. She's like, no, enough now. Bye-bye. <laughs> she just shuts me down. So when we were doing Hitmen, we'd, we'd have an hour off for lunch. Sometimes oh, sporting gets to an hour. And within so five minutes of eating, Melly would go, sleep now. And she always takes the sofa. So I'm sort of parked up on a horrible sort of, you know, like a metal chair. And she's always luxuriating because Mel's the youngest child. So oh, um, I just wanted to go back to um, where you guys spoke about Hitmen and the fact that you rang each other to say, how can we get out of this four oh, days yes, beforehand? Literally, literally. <laughs> Speaking of those sort of sliding door moments, I also read that you guys nearly quit the Great British Bake Off on day one. Yep. Is that true? Absolutely day, true. Yeah, uh, 10 a.m. day two. So we did the first day, which was all very intense, and everyone was crying a lot, and you know everyone was asking very serious questions, and you know it was all a bit ex, early doors X factor. You know, it was part of that mm. that period in in British television where it, it, they sort of thought if you asked about a dead relative, that that would be a great way to uh, get into somebody's psyche and head. And we just saw so many people crying. We just thought, no, I don't think this is for mm. us, really. We just want to make people happy. So, yeah, we did. We walk, we walked out and... Uh, we call, No, do you yeah. know what we did, mate? What we did? And we we've called never, a meeting. Never, we called a ruddy meeting in the B&B. Yeah. We were staying in this B&B. <laughs> and we said, right, we want to have a meeting and discuss what we think, how this show's going. It was going. a youth hostel. It wasn't a B&B. It was a youth hostel. Do you remember? <laughs> I think Beza got bed bugs from it. It was it was in Kingham. <laughs> it was in Kingham where um actually where this country is set. It was in Kingham, mate. Yeah. We just thought we don't want the show to be like this. We want the show to be fun and kind and we want it to sort of feel organic so that stuff isn't kind of shoved in people's faces and they're forced to react in a certain way. And and we we got quite adamant about it actually, and, and I'm glad because I th- I hope anyway that we had some you know, um, we're never going to be the funniest people. We're never going to be the smartest people. But I hope we could at least be up there with kind people. And we always sort of felt that we're very used to a studio or environment and cameras. That's our office. But for other people, it's really intimidating. Daunting. It's yeah. really intimidating. There were 10 cameras on that show, whether they were lipstick cameras, little ones for a crumb cam, we call them, or whether the, the big jib that pulls out and gets these big kind of overview shots. And all the handhelds and all in the face, in the puddings, in the... And, you know, you, I, I, I think I, I did a, a documentary once, slightly slight sidebar about chimpanzees who've been released from testing facilities. And the guy ahead of the American research facility said, we realised with the chimpanzees we were testing stress not the effects of medication. And I always think about that because I think sometimes mm. you put people under duress in television pros, you're just testing their stress levels. You're not testing whether they're the best baker. You're not testing. And it really stuck with me because, you know, I'm so sick of seeing things where you're just looking at an adrenalized response to a situation. Whereas mm. if you just take all that out, take all that. And I, I hate the word jeopardy. The idea that all pros have been jeopardy. Is the biscuit tower going to fall? Are they going to fall backwards into the river? Are they, I, I'm done with it. 
I actually just think let people feel calm and they will give you who they are much quicker and much easier and you'll get a, a much more real sense of, of what we're all like and about. Sorry to more sort of hang on about it? it, but I feel very, very yeah, strongly about it. But that's it. what added to the charm of the show, wasn't it? That it became this thing that people yeah. can tune into that was just a really sort of upbeat, uplifting, comforting, comforting show yeah. to watch. And I think that was integral yeah. to it. And listen, we, we sort of, the tweeness, the, twi- the sort of twi- was almost deliberate. And that's why we sort of would always do the puns, because we were just trying to overlook. We just thought, listen, it, it, it is like a sort of warm blanket. So let's make it sort of triply, quadruply so by the silliness and by yeah. the childishness of it. And it, it, it's, yeah. I mean, it was it was extremely stressful enough for the bakers to be mm-hmm. having to do what mm-hmm. they did. They didn't yeah. need any extra stress in their lives, you know. No, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't for a minute have done what any of them did. And you know, once once the tone was set, and you know, I hope we had a say over that. You know, the format's really strong. The bakers, as always, are the stars. And the four of us rubbed along really, really nicely. And it, we, we, and the same with like lunch, you know, you, because we were so busy doing it, we, we just didn't really think. And also when you looked up, it had gone from something that everyone slagged off in the early doors and nobody watched to 16 million people. And it, well, I was going to say, could you, could, could you have foreseen how, how big no it became? way. That first, the first uh, few <laughs> episodes of series one, again, we were on the phone. It's always the way. <laughs> On the phone. And I, I remember saying so clearly to you, Perks, I, I remember just saying, no one, no one. At least no one will see it. Yeah. No one will see it. I mean, that's it. the plot twist, isn't it? Yeah, that's the plot yeah. twist from that to what yeah, it is now. Massively. Go, this, this is so weird. This is a twee little show in a tent. Everyone's going to just, the, no one will even, oh, the, it, it won't even register with people, you know. We just never could have, have guessed, really, what was going to happen at all. It just came so out of the blue. It was bizarre. But we look back on it really fondly, actually, I, and I think of all the crew and I think of all the bakers and I think of the amazing home economists that we would spend time with back, yeah. back you know, behind the tent and make stuff with. And, you know, you, we were The Keyless we Slammers with Harry Berry. Be- always with Bez. Gonna... Just a lot of, oh, a lot of boozing with Auntie Bez, Bez. great. <laughs> She's incredible, isn't she? She can drink us both under the table. Oh my god. Hollow legs, that one. What a yeah, hollow amazing, legs. Amazing, amazing, amazing woman. Um, I've suddenly realised, gang, I don't think I've been recording any of this. I think I've done four minutes recording on my uh, phone. I'm Absolute so. Absolute bottom. So sorry. Well, Mel and Sue, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been. Oh, Everything we, we wanted it. and more. Oh, Listen, so absolute ruddy pleasure, lads. Sorry with the technological uh, issues. No idea. And sorry the fact that Mel's been trying to hunker down and sleep for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are the pros of the brilliant goodbye, so I think we'll leave you with the final words. Okay. Bless you. Yeah, here we go. Get into character. Here we go. <clears throat> Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. I said good guy. <laughs> Why did I say good guy? Good guy. I've gone, lads. Isolation's got me. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much. Take good care. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> it's not bye. We are we're definitely still we're here. We're still here. And what a pair. And also, what a way to end an interview. Mary Berry and Tequila Slammers. There is never a friendship group that I've wanted to be part of more than that trio.
<laughs> I Could you imagine that night out? What a laugh. What a hoot. It would be. It, would, it certainly would be a hoot. <laughs> what I don't understand that is a running theme of all the people that we chat to is that they don't think they're proper actors. Yeah. I love like that Carl. that comes through every single time. These, these people are doing great stuff on screen and they're like, it's just really weird because I'm just not really a proper actor. And it's like, you are an actor. You are acting. You're doing it. And it's great. It is great. I mean, it's, it's hard to picture Mel and Sue getting nervous. All the gigs they've done, Bake Off, all the stand-up. And to think they're actually going onto a set and they're, you know, getting nervous leading up to it. It's, I find that always hard to, to believe. I know. We always talk about it, don't we? The, these moments where things might not have happened. And they tried to get out of Bake Off as well. And, and they yeah. tried to get out of filming yeah. this. Like, what? who would we have on our screens today if we didn't have Mel and Sue and any of those eventualities had happened? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounded like they wanted to make it a bit more dramatic, like an X Factor sort of set up. But um, I'm so glad they pushed back because they made it what it is. And I think um, we always talk about our favourite highlights from the interview. And mine is probably not the most obvious one. But when Sue called out Mel for falling asleep on camera. Now, I don't, hopefully <laughs> yeah. our conversation wasn't the thing that sent her. I think the way she phrased it was, oh dear, she's running out of energy. And the moment that she said that, Mel pulled from the side of the shot a pillow. Slowly emerging. Slowly emerged this pillow from the side of the screen that she was about to lay her head down on. It was absolutely hilarious. I mean, in her defence, she had been speaking to us for an hour and that's tiring for anyone. And it was, what, about four o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah. So it's that sort of, that perfect sort of nap period. About time for a nap. Um, (laughs) So funny. But that was Mel and Sue and they were absolutely brilliant um but obviously we're on to a slightly different vibe next week aren't we we've got lenny james oh the star of the walking dead and the amazing series save me which is returning to now tv well that's next week so until then it's thanks from us and goodbye bye 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 <laughs>